0: Hey, this is Todd and Julie Mullins, senior pastors here at Christ Fellowship Church in South Florida. Whether you're across the street or across the world, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join for this message. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you to get more out of life. It's always an exciting time uh, at Christmas when we bring our gift to Jesus whose birthday it really is. And then watch how Christ's Fellowship multiplies that gift around the world. So to so many needy people, it's really a highlight for me to always participate in and I know it is for you. And I'm just glad to see you all this morning. My name is John, I'm your friend. I love you very much. Happy Thanksgiving, uh, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy New Year. When we think of Christmas, the story maybe that is best known is the story of the wise men. It's a beautiful story. I, I was thinking earlier today of, about the wise men and I thought, you know, there are a lot of things we do not have in common with them. Uh, first of all, they were wise. <laughs> That's a little disgusting, isn't it, huh? But they're wise and, 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 you know, pretty wealthy. They had some gold. and We don't all have maybe that much gold. I, maybe the biggest difference for men is that the wise men stopped and asked for directions when they got lost. <laughs> That's just not a guy thing. So, uh, but there's, there, there is one thing that, um, that we have in common with the wise men. And the thing that we have in common with the wise men is that when they followed that star, they came and, and it, it brought them to a stable. I, I define disappointment as the gap between expectation and reality. We, we become disappointed when we have a high expectation and then reality is not what we thought it would be. I mean, we just become disappointed. It's just human. It's just very natural for us. And, and in this story, these wise men who are following this incredible star, it, it, it's It's kind of like I followed the star to that stable. It it doesn't even make sense. It's hard to understand sometimes the ways that God works. And because we don't understand it, and because our expectations are sometimes high and we don't have reality to match them, we become disappointed. And so like the wise men who had a stable in their life not quite I think what they expected to see we all have stables in our lives every one of you in this auditorium right now you have a stable story in fact if I could walk off the stage and if I could if I could just come down and I could begin to have a, a conversation with you I would promise you each one of you would would have a, a story of a stable in your life something that you'd hope for that you never realized something that you expected that you never we're able to get. And so when we think of the wise men in this incredible story, you know what happens? What happens when we follow this this incredible star and we find that stable? But how how do we respond to that? Okay. Uh, it's it's a little long really. It's, let's let's read the story. Just kind of hang with me and it'll be on the screen and then we'll get down to the teaching, okay? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem village, Judah territory, that was during Herod's kingship, a band of scholars arise in Jerusalem from the east, and they ask around, where can we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth. We're on a pilgrimage to worship him. When word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified, and not Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. Herod lost no time. He gathered all the high priest and religion scholars in the city together and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they told him, Bethlehem, Judah territory. The prophet Micah wrote it plainly. It's you, Bethlehem, in Judah's land, no longer bringing up the rear. From you will come the leader who will shepherd rule my people, my Israel. Herod then arranged a secret meeting with the the scholars from the East, pretending to be as devout as they were. He got them to tell him exactly when the birth announcement star appeared. Then he told them the prophecy about Bethlehem and said, go find this child, leave no stone unturned. As soon as you find him, send word and I'll join you at once in your worship. Instructed by the king, they set off. Then the star appeared again, the same star that had, they had seen in the eastern skies. It led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They could hardly contain themselves. They were at the right place. They had arrived at the right time, and they entered the house, and they saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they kneeled and worshiped him, then they opened their luggage and presented gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. In a dream, they were warned not to report back to Herod, so they worked out another route, left the territory without being seen, and returned to their own country. Think of the surprise, think of the disappointment. After days of following this celestial star, Think of uh, how their expectations during this journey were as they, they said to each other, this is going to be amazing. Uh, we've never seen a, a sign like this ever. And, and it's, it's going to take us to an amazing place. And, and then think of the panic they had when they lost the star. And, and so what did they think? Well, they went to Jerusalem because if the king of the Jews was going to be born, it would be in Jerusalem, surely. And, and they go to Herod's place because it would be in a palace. And think of the surprise when they got to the palace and they knew nothing about a a baby being born a a king, a potential king of Israel and then they were told about Bethlehem and their hopes arose again and they followed the star and and then just 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 think about when they came to that stable and they realized at that moment that this, this king was right there He was that close. How could that amazing star bring them to that stable? Really? It's got to be a better story than that. And haven't we been on journeys in our life where our hopes just kind of almost increased with anticipation, (coughs) only to find out that? That when we arrived it wasn't a palace at all it was it was a stable and i just want you to know that if we want to be wise like the wise men what sets them apart is that they turned their disappointment seeing a stable into a divine appointment they they saw a stable but beyond the stable they, they saw god and, and there were three things that these wise men did that every one of us can do. And I love this, this practical teaching because I, I think, well, let me do a little poll here. Just let me check to make sure I'm with the right people here. How many of you would like to be wise? Just, yeah, that's it. By the way, um, that was an IQ test. And if you kind of like hesitated raising your hand, that really isn't an issue in your life at all. Uh, well, let me ask it this way. how many of you, you would sure like the person sitting beside you to get a lot more wise, huh? Huh? Yeah. Okay. I mean, now we're really talking that you're all saying, yeah, woo. In fact, look at the person you're sitting beside and say, why do you think I brought you here today? Why, why do you, huh? This, This is not an accident that you're here. Well, I'm going to give you three things, very simple. What's beautiful about these three things is what the wise men did that allow them to be called wise, every one of us can do. Every one of us can can leave the service today with a a higher level of, in fact, look at your neighbor and just say to them, there's hope for you. (laughs) Yeah. That's good, isn't it, huh? Well, and, (laughs) and if there's hope for them, there's hope for you, huh? Okay, that's a, that's a good return. There's a lot of hope going along in this room right now. I can smell it. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Three things. Number one, wise men, the reason that they're wise is they look for God in the stable. Now, I'm laying the foundation of this lesson right now. My goal is for us to leave after the teaching with a God perspective. And a God perspective is seeing God in every situation. When you have a God's perspective, you see him in every situation. You see him in good you see him in a good you see him in the palace, but you see him in the stable. You see him on good times, you see him in bad times. That's the difference between maturity and immaturity in the Christian walk. Immature Christians see God only when things are happening well and good in their life. Mature Christians, they see God even in their suffering, in their darkness, and in their stables that that they come along. A God perspective says, I see God in every situation. Now don't miss this. How do I get that perspective? It makes sense to every one of us in the auditorium, every one of us said that makes sense, John. A God perspective is, I see God in every situation. But how do I get that? It's sometimes things are easier said than done, but I'm gonna help you right now. My name is John, I'm your friend, okay? here's how this works when I look for God in every situation I find him the issue is I have to look for God in the stable don't miss it there's a difference between looking at something and looking for someone if you're looking at something you see the stable and if you lack a god perspective you say wow that's not what i expected i'm disappointed and you walk away but if you're looking for him if you're looking for god in every situation when you see the stable you realize that it's, there's something beautiful even about a cow shed there's something beautiful about something that is common there's something beautiful about something that is extremely ordinary even though it may smell If you're wise, you got that last phrase. So we can be looking at something and not be deterred by the fact that we're disappointed because it isn't what we expected because we're looking at something but we're looking for someone. Don't miss this. Joseph, when he was you know, with his brothers, he was looking at the mistreatment that they gave him. I mean, they, they treated him badly. He was looking at the mistreatment, but he was looking for the one God who gave him the dream. So he, he's looking at the mistreatment and misunderstanding, but he's looking for God who gave him the dream. Job, he, he's looking at the total loss of, of, of fortune and family. I mean, he lost it all. He, he's looking at the loss but he's looking for god to give him the faith and the strength that's why that's why he could look and say the lord gives the lord give takes away blessed be the name of the lord how could he say that because he has a god perspective he sees god in the stable david he's living literally in a dark damp cramped cave a, a refugee he, he's looking at the cave But as he's looking for God, he he quotes the Psalms. Paul, he's looking at prison bars, but while he's looking at prison bars, he's looking for God who helps him to write letters of encouragement to others. Don't, don't, Don't miss this. We see things not as they are. We see things as we are. How we view things is how we do things. Don't miss it. For some people, they see the stables of life and they walk away disappointed. And for others, they see the stables of life and they look at it as an opportunity to to see God in that situation. You see, here's the problem. The problem is is when we're looking at the stable, our circumstances, our situation which doesn't please us, when we're looking at the stable and not looking for the God inside of it. When I don't look for him on the inside, I come away disappointed. In, In other words, when you approach the stable, the stable in your life, the temptation is to walk away from it. And I'm saying to you, don't, don't walk away. Don't, don't walk away from the stables of your life. In fact, when you see the statement, the stable, understand God is there. Don't, don't walk away. Walk into the stable. That's where God is. God is in the stable. Don't, don't, don't. Hey, hold on. This is, it's going to get better. Save it just a moment. Just save it. It's going to get better. It's going to get better. Don't, hey, don't, don't walk around. Don't walk around the stable. See, we walk around the stable, and we walk around, and the reason we walk around the stable is because it's not what we expected, and we don't understand it. And we're stalling for time. And we're just kind of walking around thinking, well, maybe if I could just see it from a different perspective, it's gonna be all right. And, and we walk don't, don't, don't walk, don't walk around the stable. Walk into the stable. God is in the stable, and, and, and don't, don't wait outside. Because if you wait outside, you never encounter God. You never encounter him, you never you never know the joy of walking inside and want, at, at that moment, realizing that in the midst of your problems, in the midst of your discouragement, in the midst of your misunderstanding, in the midst of your disappointment, The God that we serve, the God who loves us incredibly, the God who absolutely has a plan for your life that is beautiful, we miss him. We miss him if we stay outside and and let the stable influence us. Don't don't, don't miss this. Wow. My dad, he he had a a couple of expressions for us as we grew up, and, and one of the expressions was if he wanted us to focus on something he'd say put this before you put it before you and, and he would sometimes put it on paper and tape it on our, our, our bathroom mirror you know not the, you know put it before you put it before you. because you know what my dad knows what you focus on expands put it before you and then he had another expression put it behind you put it behind you and what you know, you know what what you don't focus on shrinks And what happens is if you don't see god in the stable you focus on the stable and that stable gets big and it gets bigger and it becomes larger and your disappointment becomes non-ending and you look at yourself after a while and you just say wow this problem is worse than i could ever imagine put the stable behind you and put god before you and when you do that all of a sudden it just begins to be incredible what happens when i think of stables in december it was in december 1978 margaret and i had worked for 16 months pretty hard because we were going to adopt a, a boy and and we were so excited and we got up to within a week of we were going to receive in the first week of december you talk about december disappointments and i was speaking at a, a a pastor's conference and in between sessions i got the news and picked up the phone and and they said that we were not able to get the boy and i went then and to the hotel room where Margaret was, and told her, and we wept and cried, and then I got back up and went back and spoke to the pastors. It was a stable. Little did I know that three months later, in March of 1979, our son Joel would be born, and we would have the most wonderful kid and his wife. And I just spent Thanksgiving with him and the three children. These this family they're so beautiful and they love the lord you you see i had a stable but god was on the inside and and you have a stable and right now you have questions it's okay to have questions it's okay not to understand it's okay not to be able to explain everything it's okay all that stuff that's just human don't worry it's okay it's okay trust me but it's not okay it's not okay To let the stable stop you and cause you to miss knowing God and knowing who God is and what God wants to do, you got to walk into the stable. Number two, the second reason these wise men were so wise is because they offered their best to God. That's what wise men do. They offer their best to God, even when their situation is not the best. Back on the screen, the scriptures. They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they kneeled and worshiped him. And then they opened their luggage and presented gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Here's the temptation. Here's the temptation. When we find a stable instead of a palace, when our expectations are not met and we're disappointed, there's a tendency for us to withdraw and not give God our best. It's kind of like I give my best for the best. So if I'm at the palace, I'm going to give it. I'm telling you right now. I'm, I, it's the best place. That's where the king should be. Here come the best gifts. But now we're at a cow shed. Honestly I'm not sure gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh have ever been presented to anyone in a in a stable so what's the temptation when we're disappointed the temptation for me maybe it's just me maybe maybe this is just for, maybe the message is for me today <laughs> probably doesn't hit you at all but for me, let me tell you, when, when I don't get exactly what I expected, there's a tendency for me to just kind of pull back. I'm not mad, maybe. I'm disappointed. And I just say, well, you know, and I'll just hold a little bit. I was so glad Todd and Julie took a few moments to talk to us what I'm so excited about, and that's the Christ birthday offering. You have to understand, at Christmas, the most important thing in my life and the thing I get excited most is the Christ birthday offering. And I'm gonna tell you why it's, it's, this is maybe news to some of you, it's his birthday. I don't want that to sneak up on you. It's his birthday. Over 40 years ago, Margaret and I, we had just been married maybe 10 years. And we looked at each other one Christmas and we thought, we don't even do this right. The first gift should always go to Jesus. It's his birthday. Not only should the first gift go to Jesus, let me explain this a little bit more for you, the best gift should go to Jesus. And we began to practice the Christ birthday offerings. We taught it to our children. We taught it to our grandchildren for our grandchildren. Every year at Christmas, our grandchildren, Margaret, would give them another bank to put their money in all year for their Christmas gift to Jesus. And my grandchildren, they came, when they were little, they'd come to Pastor Tom and they'd bring their banks that they had saved up all year to Jesus. We taught our whole family, first gift goes to Jesus, first gift goes to Jesus. Sometimes when people think of Christmas, they think, that is such an interesting idea. You just, if you don't figure this one out, you lost the wise man potential. It's his birthday. Can't you see that? Can't you see the can't you see the wise men when they came to the stable and thought, oh, wow. Well, we're here. <laughs> we'll go in. But I'll tell you those gifts we have. I'll tell you what let's do. Let's go in and see the Christ child, and then let's come on outside and go down to the hotel. and Let's do a gift exchange. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah, let's just do a gift exchange. You know what I'm saying? I mean, my God, I mean, yeah. That's what most people do at Christmas. They do a gift exchange. And everybody gets a gift but Jesus. Every year I make sure my best financial gift my best financial gift comes to the church for the birthday offering every year I plan it we save up for it it says birthday wow talk about december disappointments it was another December 1994 when I was resigning my church. I'd pastored for 25 years. This church, we were recognized as one of the 10 most uh, inspirational churches in America. We, it, it, it just, things were going so wonderful, and I felt God called me to leave the pastor to, to go hang around with sinners the rest of my life. And so I, I moved out of that world. But when I moved out of that world, I mean, I, 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 I had, I mean, I own, I, literally, we owned San Diego. We owned San Diego. The Wall Street Journal said we were the last church of in, to be able to buy a hundred acres of ground with and and get it zoned in, in that in that culture in California. I mean, we, it was just an incredible experience and everything. But all of a sudden, I, I've lost all that. No longer am I doing. It. And, and and I and people said, "What are you going to do?" I said, "Well, I'm going to I'm going to speak. I'm going to write." So I was having a pity-poor-me party because I was in a stable. And I was, I'm saying, God, you know, I, I don't mean it's wrong, but wow. I tell people I'm gonna speak, I tell people I'm gonna write that. I mean, they look at me and say, that's nice. I speak and write too. <laughs> and I, you know, I had this, you know, amazing work. And now, you know, it's the, the word, I got a cow shed. And, and God gave me this poem. Life-changing, life-changing. It's on your screen. It's called Little Places. Father, where shall I work today as my love flowed warm and free? And he pointed out a tiny spot and said, tend that place for me. I answered him quickly. Oh, no, not that. Why, no one will ever see no matter how well I do my work. Not that little place for me. The word he spoke then, it wasn't stern. He answered me tenderly. Bethlehem was a little place, and so was Galilee. In other words, through that poem, God said, John, shut up. Could you just shut up? Quit despising the stable, I'm in it. And one of the commitments I made is I made a commitment when I made that transition To serve 10 leaders that I just admired, that I thought had potential, that I thought perhaps I could help go to another level. And I determined that I wouldn't tell them that I was serving them. Now, I don't mind serving people as long as they know I'm serving them. Because you want to get credit for your serving. I mean, after all, what's serving for if you don't get credit, honor, recognition, rewards, and free air miles? And God said, no, no, just serve them. Don't tell them. Don't even let them know you serve them, just serve them. So I started serving them and they all thought I was just a nicest guy. They thought, my John, thank you. And I'd send them books and I'd go talk to them. I'd go look at their church. I mean, it was just wonderful. And, and here's what, here's, okay. Now I just want you to see God's in every stable folks. He's already there. If you don't see him, it's cause you're not looking for him. You're looking at the stable and you're not looking for him. So in this stable experience, one of those people was Tom, your founder. God said, Serving. And I looked at Tom and I thought, Oh my, you're right, God. He needs a lot of help. <laughs> I mean, my gosh, I mean, whoa. This is really serving, Lord. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know I'm having fun. You know how much I love him. You know how much I love him. And by the way, let me just stop for a moment. Do you realize how fortunate we are in this church to have the godly leaders that we have in the founding pastor of God? Do you realize how incredible? Huge. Huge. Very few churches have that kind of solid, stable leadership. So I said, I'll serve him. He never knew. I, he, honestly, he never knew. In fact, he's just probably finding out today. He's so slow, he's just figuring it out right now. He just did, you know, happy birthday, Tom, happy birthday. <laughs> My birthday gift to you is I've been serving you for 25 years, you don't even have a clue, okay? okay. <laughs> and to prove that I serve them, what, ki- hey, what kind of Sundays do they give me to preach on around here? All the garbage Sundays. Sunday after Thanksgiving, Sunday after Christmas, Memorial Day weekend, Labor Day weekend. Oh, hello, hello. Hey, nobody's coming to church. Get John. Get John. Get John. Get, get John. Yeah, just bring John on. Yeah, John, come on. Get John. And I love every moment because I love to serve him. Back to when I saw Todd, and Julie Day, first thing I said, "What are you doing here?" I want. I mean, I want. To, I want, I want to serve him. I want him to go relax. Go refresh themselves because they do so wonderful work. And so anyway, (sighs) you know what's beautiful? What's really beautiful? Beautiful. You're getting the message today. You're getting the message that the stables that you have in your life, God sent them. God said, and we miss God, not because he's not in there. We miss God because the stable overwhelms us. And we think certainly God couldn't be in that. Here's our problem. I'm going to go to number three. I got to go to number three because they got this clock. They (sighs) always put me on a clock. Someday I'm going to put them on a clock. Listen, be very careful. We're always in trouble when we try to reduce God to our expectations. We're always in trouble. I dumb God down every time I bring him down to whatever my best thought is. God does exceeding abundantly more than I could ever ask. He does exceeding abundantly more than I could ever think and he does it so differently. Number three, number three. Wise men change the direction in their life. When they come to the stable, they walk away different. In a dream, back to the scripture. They were warned not to report back to Herod, so they worked out another route. They left the territory without being seen or returned to their own country. Literally, they changed the direction of their life in that stable experience. One more December disappointment and one more stable story for me because it was in December. I was asked about 35 years ago to speak at Urbana, Illinois, for their big youth convention. They have every year a big youth convention, about 20,000 kids. And they asked me to be the last night's keynote speaker and challenge the kids to answer the call to full-time Christian ministry. And I was so excited for this, and I was so honored that they would pick me. And so I worked very hard on this sermon. And I'm going to tell you, when I say I worked very hard on this sermon, I did. And, and, And let me just let you know right now that it was a great sermon (laughs) not good great i worked on this baby it was a masterpiece i got to the hotel university of illinois campus i was going to speak that evening i went into my room and i got that sermon out one more time to just put the finishing touches on it because it was going to be awesome these kids were going to hear this message and they're going to answer the call to preach and And God spoke to him very clearly. Said, John, I I don't want you to preach that message. Excuse me. I I don't want you to preach that message. Oh, you mean this message? God, you're very busy. Have I shown this to you? Have you seen this message? Oh God. I, I don't want you to preach the message. but I wanna preach the message, I want you to preach it. Well, what do you want me to do? I said, he said, I just want you to get up and tell those kids, you've been in this conference for two days and God's already spoken to you and you don't need my voice tonight, you just need to honor God's voice. You already know who's been called into full-time Christian ministry and just come up down here and put your ID bandages on, 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 the, on the stage and we'll have a great prayer time. He said, John, I want you just to get out of the way and just watch how I worked already in the lives of those kids. And, and I, I said, I, I, that's, that's, that's really good. I think if I preach my message, we could get maybe a dozen more. It'd be you and me. And God said, no, no, you don't understand. There's no you in it, son. there's no you I want him to see me now I wish I could tell you that I was so obedient and I went out and I just did what I said but I didn't I was disobedient it was such a good message I honestly thought for the first time in my life that God missed it (laughs) and then after I did the message he said oh thank you John wow I." had no understanding of how that would work (laughs) so i got out and i started preaching only i didn't preach it was terrible my tongue got tied i got confused the lights got in my eyes i lost my way and for about two to three minutes i just scrambled and everybody, I mean, 20,000 kids are leaning in. I mean, this is the, this is the moment, and they're watching and listening to the guy that was gonna deliver it, and, and I'm not delivering anything, and, and everybody knows I'm in trouble. I know I'm in trouble. They know I'm in trouble. God, he's knowing I will be in trouble. <laughs> and finally, I stopped preaching. I said, look, I said, I just want you to know I've been disobedient to God. He doesn't want me to preach because he's already spoken to you and you don't need me tonight. He wants to show himself. He wants to show his glory. He wants to be honored. And he doesn't want me in the way and I got in the way. And I'm wrong and I'm sorry. I want you to forgive me. And then I told them what God had said and I said, if God's already spoken to you, just you get up from all over this arena and you come forward and bring your badges down the front. And over 2,200 kids that night came forward and answered the call to preach. It changed. That stable changed my life. It's impossible for me to go anywhere in the world. Impossible. Every month somewhere, somebody will come up to me and say, John, I was at Urbana. The night you messed up. I was in Urbana the night that you apologized and got all the way and God talked to my heart. That was the night I went into full-time Christian service. Don't don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. God has a story for you. But it's a stable story. And you can't despise the stable. You want to embrace the stable. You can't hang around on the outside. You gotta go on the inside. And if you go on the inside, you're gonna find God. And you're gonna see him like you've never seen him before. Bow your heads with me, close your eyes. God is so dear to us right now. He is so dear to us at this moment. I sense it. How many of you raise your hand and say, John, you're exactly right. I've seen the stable, and I've let the stable kind of wear me down, and I've not gone inside to see God yet. I've just been on the outside complaining about my stable when I need to go on the inside and fall down and worship. King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you just raise your hand up real high and say, John, as you close in prayer, I want to go beyond this table. I want to see God. I want to have a God perspective in every one of my issues, every one of my problems. I want to see him like I've never seen him before. Father, you see these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hands being raised. You're all all about that stable in their life, but it's okay. You're on the inside, and I pray you will give them now courage to open the door and walk in and fall at your feet and worship you and bring gifts of commitment and praise and honor and worship to you, for you're the only one worthy. God, may we not only right now see the stable, may we see god in the in the inside thank you for just seeing the hands and answering the prayers today the work that you're doing now is special in the lives of people and we honor you for doing it in jesus name amen god bless you Thank you again for spending time with us today. If you're looking to take a step in discovering the more that God has in store for you, just text the word podcast to the number 441-441 and select the option that applies to you. And if you enjoyed this message, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. A special thanks to those of you who generously give to all that God is calling us to do together. It's because of you that everything that we do is possible. We'll see you right back here for next week's message.